from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast The 16th round of talks between the armies of India and China ended with no concrete breakthrough in defusing the standoff in eastern Ladakh. The Times of India's Rajat Pandit reported how China did not agree to a troop disengagement at a patrolling point and instead submitted its own solution. After this round of talks, the situation remains pretty much where it was in May 2020 with no solution in sight. However, a joint statement said the two nations would work out a mutually acceptable resolution of the remaining issues at the earliest. China has refused to withdraw its troops or de-escalate the situation, which has meant both nations continue to deploy nearly 50,000 soldiers along the border. This has been the situation for nearly 2 years since the clash between soldiers of the two armies in the Galwan Valley left many dead on both sides. Indian and Chinese soldiers fought on disputed land using stones and bamboo poles. 20 Indian soldiers were martyred in these clashes but this video shows Chinese soldiers confronting Indian soldiers. Meanwhile China also admitted for the first time that it lost its own soldiers. In the latest round of talks India had told China to withdraw from two locations that it terms friction points. The Chinese were urged to restore Indian soldiers patrolling rights in the Depsang Plain region and the Chinese were urged not to fly fighter jets so close to these friction points along the border but one expert says that this sort of raising of stakes by the Chinese will continue as will the border dispute Manoj Joshi is a journalist and a distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation He's also the author of the recently published book titled Understanding the India-China Border. He starts by explaining why the term friction points needs to be clarified by the Indian government and also explains the value of the area that China occupies. He also explains how the border dispute can still be resolved if the two nations put their minds to it, but why China continues to keep the issue on the boil even though tensions have been reduced. Mr. Joshi, we at a stage where India has asked China to withdraw its forward deployed troops and at two friction points and sought the restoration of patrolling rights at the Depsing Plain region. Uh, how do you see this playing out from where we are? First of all, the way the government is using this term "friction point," what do they mean by it? Do they mean a point of encroachment? Do they mean an intrusion? For the past two years, they have been fudging around the issue. Uh, i'm only hearing this depsang thing from the media now meaning for last 2 years everyone was silent on depsang they have established a blockade which prevents us from patrolling a large area about 900 uh, square uh, kilometers i'm uh, basically a professional journalist my job is to tell my people this is what is happening i'm trying to find out what is happening in that region because no one has access except the government there are no civilians around there uh, no media people to tell you what is happening so it, 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 it we are trying to uh, separate fact from fiction based on the various levels of information that we get and basically that is what we owe uh, to our public that give them give them an accurate position let them make their own decisions there's a lot of complication there and one of them is that where exactly is the lac 
how was it formed? And we know that in this region, uh, there was an LAC as of what we say, uh, 8th September 1962, before the Chinese started moving closer, meaning they had occupied uh, Ladakh, um, uh, the Aksai Chin much earlier. Then 8th September 1962 is the benchmark which we kind of uh, would like to adopt. But then in the war of 62, they captured another two to 3,000 square kilometers uh, to the uh, west of it. Now, the problem is we don't know up to which point they came because our uh, uh, troops had been either defeated or they were withdrawn from that area. So when you look at some of these areas, Depsang Plains or, or, or this PP14 or whatever it is, uh, uh, one doesn't know what is motivating the Chinese behavior. Are they trying to reclaim what they think were their wartime gains? Because what they have been saying in, uh, in many, many areas is that, you know, Indians have started pushing against, they are the ones who started uh, provoking us. And from the uh, strategic point of view, the Chinese have all the advantage. They have more numerous forces. Geographically, they are better sighted. But the point is that, you know, this is not an area of earth-shaking strategic importance to us. Yes, it is part of a, uh, a dispute and we must assert our claim to the area. But the point is that this is not an area uh, where we say, well, we've got to make a stand, otherwise it'll go negative against us. So these are things which we need to think through uh, in a larger dialogue with the Chinese to try to settle the border dispute. And with regard to these Chinese jets flying close to what are being called friction points, how do we view something like that? Is that an escalation or is this now the way it's going to be? I think uh, the Chinese are strengthening their air force in that area. In fact, in Tibet battle scenarios, the Indian air force comes off better off than the PLA air force. They don't have that many um, uh, airfields to operate from. Secondly, they're operating from very high airfields. So their the aircraft are not able to carry a full load. And thirdly, the moment they take off, they're detected by the Indian uh, air defense system, which is along the Himalaya, whereas the Indian aircraft uh, come from below the Himalaya and they can pop up. So the Chinese are strengthening their air, you know, their air force positions uh, right across. So maybe it is part of that exercise. But yes, of course, there are restrictions as per agreement in flying uh, these fighter jets uh, so close to the LAC. Uh, but the point is, the 2020 events basically upended the whole series of confidence-building measures that we had entered into with China since 1993. So to pick up one part of that CBM and say, no, 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 this is not uh, on, uh, th th you know, there are question marks about, uh, about that. In the East, to whatever I know, those CBMs are being maintained. But here in Ladakh in 2020, the whole point of the 2020 um, uh, Chinese uh, incursion and the whole um, uh, sequence of events basically appended those old CBMs. For example, like carrying weapons, firing across the line of actual controls. Now, there was no firing uh, for 30 years, 40 years. And now the troops have been authorized to use their weapons in certain circumstances. And there has been firing. Meaning, are we accusing them of breaking the CBMs that they have already done? They've already violated those CBMs. 
So as far as the Jets are concerned, uh, I think basically it's part of trying to strengthen their uh, air defense and air force network. It's now been two years since the two armies agreed to have talks and this sort of push and pull between these military talks have continued. Um, How far have we actually gotten, Bert? What we have done is we have managed to work a separation of forces in Galwan area, in the Pangongso area, and limited pullback in the PPE 17 area. That is right next to Gogra. But the three other areas remain, which is the, um, the Depsang Plains, which was the most serious. We are blocked from patrolling 900 square kilometers. The PP-15, which is at the head of Kograng River Valley, and the uh, Charding Nala. So these three areas, uh, the Chinese still blockade us. Plus, there is a strong contingent of Chinese military close to the line of actual control, equipped, meaning they've got armor and artillery, et cetera. And so we have also built up parallel uh, kind of forces. So we have forces close up, close by to each other, which wasn't the case earlier. In this place, Pangongso uh, and the Kailash range, meaning south of Pangongso, uh, we have affected a pullback. Both sides are pullback and it's a no patrol uh, area. Uh, the same thing in Galwan. It's a no patrol area. So yes, in that sense, tension has come down. You've just released a book on the India-China border tensions that have been on for decades now. Could you explain over these decades what this has cost India and maybe could it have done anything any differently? The point is in 1950, uh, when both we became a republic and the People's Republic of China was founded, The border was not very clear. In fact, the white paper on states, which was issued by the government of India, showed the entire border of Kashmir, UP, Himachal as blank, no line there. And uh, as far as the the, uh, Arunachal Pradesh is concerned, there the border was marked by a dotted line saying border not demarcated. So now we uh, two new republics have come up. They needed to fix their border. And they needed to fix their border through negotiations. And the problem is that India took a peculiar stand that we know where the border is and no negotiation needed. International borders have to be fixed, not unilaterally, but through discussions. Not only that, in 1953-54, we recalled all those old maps We recalled all of them and drew a firm line there. And again, unilaterally. So we said, here is our border. uh, And we are not going to negotiate. And the Chinese uh, were willing to negotiate. The Chinese did. The Chinese are very uh, clever about it. They systematically occupied the area, which what we call Aksai Chin. They needed the area for their road to link between Xinjiang and uh, Tibet. For us, it was an area of very little consequence. So they needed the area, they occupied it. But they kept quiet about it from 1950 till their road was built, 1950 to 1958. And then, uh, and and Lai was having a correspondence with Nehru. And uh, uh, in 1959, he said, you know, actually, uh, our entire border 
is disputed. And in 1960, he came here and he and Nehru had uh, talks for two or three weeks. And basically the Chinese indicated, they indicated that they were willing to settle the border more or less on as is, where is basis. That means that they would keep the areas of Aksai Chin they were occupying and India would keep Arunachal Pradesh, uh, etc. Then there was the war. So we were defeated in the war in 1962. Then nothing happened 62, 72, then 79, 80. The Chinese repeated their offer. Because Deng Xiaoping had come in. He wanted to take China the path of economic growth. So he wanted to calm down things. And so this was repeated in 79, 80, 81, 82. India turned it down. But then and suddenly in 85, when the talks were going on, the Chinese said, no, no, no. Actually, the real problem is in the East. That is where Tawang is. Now, that is very clever because in the West, they already occupied what they had. So it's been going on like this from approximately 2002, uh, when Prime Minister Vajpayee went to Beijing, the two sides decided to kick the border problem upstairs to a politically oriented. That means the National Security Advisor uh, called the special representatives that they would meet. And they said, forget about the past history, forget about who controlled what, uh, forget about the British maps and the other maps. We'll, we'll do a political deal on the border. Let's work out some general principles and then we'll, let's settle this. And that has been going on since then. Nothing has happened. It hasn't moved. And what cost has this been for India then? Because we've also seen, like you said, a sort of steady escalation to a level where we now have troops on either side of a border. There is nothing there of any great value. Uh, so it has cost us in the sense that uh, we have had to deploy the military there in large numbers and deploying the military is very expensive business. I mean, say to Ladakh, you've got to transport everything, food, fuel, fuel through the winter. Uh, so it's a very expensive proposition, uh, maintaining forces uh, uh, up in the mountain areas. But we've had to do it right across from uh, Ladakh all the way to Arunachal Pradesh. Now, maybe if you had a fixed border, you wouldn't have had to do that. And uh, you could have used, uh, you know, uh, th those resources for other purposes. And then, of course, what it has cost us is, but, you know, that is the more complex thing, uh, relationship with China. Because the thing is that the uh, in, in all this, if the border uh, is something which we didn't handle too well, you know, the border negotiation. The other problem was Chinese paranoia. And this is their paranoia over Tibet. They occupied um, uh, Tibet. And the point is that they were also quite paranoid about uh, their control of Tibet. Even today, when I mean, the Chinese say that they have some core areas uh, which they cannot compromise on, what are they talking about? They're talking about Taiwan, Tibet, Xinjiang, and the rule of the Communist Party in China. The Chinese in 59, there was a Tibetan revolt. There was a Tibetan revolt and the Dalai Lama fled to India. So around all that time, the Chinese were worried that the Indians will try to separate Tibet from China. So their paranoia also played into their policy, uh, the, the, the way they negotiated, the way they uh, 
carried out their policy. And uh, uh, to some extent, it still does, uh, you know, sort of uh, obsess about the Dalai Lama. It still plays a, a role in the way they handle uh, Tibet. I'm just going back to a point you made about the 2002 Vajpayee visit to Beijing, where it was sort of deemed that it would be a politically oriented solution that would be arrived at for this thing. But we don't seem anywhere close to that. And we don't look like we'll get in that direction anytime soon, right? In 2005, we signed an agreement on the agreed guidelines and political parameters of a border settlement. Basically, if you read the clauses of that agreement, it seems to suggest that we can still have an as-is, where-is settlement. By and large, uh, both sides hold on to whatever they are, uh, this thing, and you can dress it up whatever you, way you want. So yes, that, that settlement is still possible. I, I don't see any settlement where you have large exchanges of territory. That's not possible. But you know, the Chinese, right through from uh, 85, have been insisting that the bottom line in any settlement is that you must turn uh, give us back Tawang. Now, that is simply not possible for any Indian government. So nothing has really uh, happened. Talks between the special representatives of the two sides have worked out some framework, some ideas, etc., etc. But you know, to implement them requires a political push. Now, we have reached the point where the leadership has to give the go-ahead and say, okay, let's do it. But do you see that coming? Well, see, I don't see it coming because the question is uh, Chinese policy uh, with regard to India. How do the Chinese see India? And I think the Chinese still find certain value in using the unsettled border to keep India off balance. In 1990, we were... This, at the same level, okay? But the Chinese have streaked ahead. Now their point is that they must keep us down. This is the, uh, this is the way that, you know, uh, um, real politic works. The guy who's on top is not going to let you, give you a free ride. And so the Chinese find it convenient to use the border, uh, the unsettled border, to periodically have this, uh, to do this kind of stuff. Meaning you have an incursion somewhere, then there's a crisis, they uh, uh, find it as a useful instrument of policy. Until that changes, I don't see any change. And so then do you see China continuing to keep raising and sort of lowering the stakes constantly then? See, there are many factors involved. See, one is the border issue, intrinsic part of the China-India power balance. But there is also there are also other things. The Chinese insecurity is over Tibet. Then there is Chinese insecurities about India's relationship with the United States. So now it's a more complex equation. This uh, relationship where the two countries consider themselves adversaries suits the Chinese. And we also are not very uh, clear in our minds what kind of a relationship uh, we would want uh, with China. And one of the great failures of Indian diplomacy is the inability to break the China-Pakistan nexus. I Meaning if you have two neighbors, nuclear weapons powers, military powers, and they are allied uh, on their dislike for you, the challenge is on you to do something about it. But I don't see the Indians doing anything uh, dramatic there. The problem is 
that the comprehensive national power of India and China has been, there's a bigger and bigger gap. China is becoming more and more powerful. Uh, we are unable to keep up. So when this gap is increasing, then there is a pressure on us to try to balance this and uh, get an external balancer. And the external balancer is the United States. In the Chinese mind, India is seen as a second-rate power. They see India as a second-rate power, which gets a lot of uh, bhao because of the United States. And they see themselves as a kind of equals of the United States. The Chinese have settled their border disputes with other countries, meaning they've settled with Russia. But Russia was very weak at that time. China was uh, rising. So there are certain geopolitical circumstances in which that could happen. And, uh, and yes, the settlement of the border dispute will make a big difference. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.